Thank you, Brian, for your prayers for us as a church and for the ministry of the Word today. And welcome again to you if you have just logged on. Um, and if you are new to New Life Church, we'd like to give you a warm welcome this morning. And to all of New Life Church members, thank you again for joining us on this live stream. We look forward to the day where we'll be able to say that face-to-face and um, be able to greet each other face-to-face. But today we continue our series through the Gospel of Luke, the mission of Jesus. And today we come to the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, in which Jesus has said some difficult things so far, but he now drives home the necessity of obeying what he has been teaching. And Jesus describes how his disciples are to live as citizens of the, the kingdom of God. He said that they must love their enemies. He says that they must not judge others. And he says that we must examine the, the fruit of our lives. So Jesus concludes this sermon with personal application. And Jesus challenges his disciples to examine whether their discipleship is indeed genuine or whether it is counterfeit. And he asks the question this morning, why, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? And then he concludes with this familiar parable of two men who are building separate houses. And the first man lays a foundation on the rock, so the house stands firm, when the floods burst against it. And then the second man foolishly builds his house on the sand without proper foundation. So when the floods come, the house is destroyed. And in the parable, the foundation, of course, is obedience to Christ's teaching, obedience to his word. And the man who did not build on the foundation, he did not obey the teachings of Jesus. And the result was a tragic loss. And Jesus is showing us that obedience to Christ is not an option. It is essential if we are going to have foundations that will be able to stand against the storms and the trials of life. And this is particularly pertinent for us today as we go through some trials like we've never done before. Um, So let's read the passage from Luke chapter 6, verse 46 to verse 49. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house, who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it, because it had been built Well, but the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Let's pray together before we study God's Word. Lord, we ask for your help this morning as we come to this end of the Sermon on the Mount that you preached so many years ago. We know, Lord, that this is even for us applicable for our situation that we find ourselves in today here in the 21st century. Lord, we pray that these won't just be words that 
that fall on deaf ears today. We pray, Lord, please give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to understand. And may your Spirit teach us this morning. May He convict us. May He comfort those who need to be comforted. May He encourage those who need to be encouraged. But also, Lord, He'll bring about regeneration and salvation to those this morning that need to be saved. Please, Lord, we pray. May you be glorified this morning. And may your Spirit show us Jesus today. We ask in your precious name. Amen. One of my favorite TV shows uh, that I enjoy watching with the family is called Grand Designs. And the presenter in each episode, he normally follows and documents a a few families' efforts to build their own homes. And each family has their own budget, they have their own design, they have their own builders. But I enjoy seeing the process, I enjoy seeing the, the struggle, I enjoy seeing even the triumph at the end when they finally accomplish their design, when they finally finish their, their building. Uh, some families take six months to build their homes, some families take nine months, even on one episode, a family had taken six years to, to finish the house that uh, they had designed. And the truth is, every one of us is building a house. Maybe not physically, but spiritually. All of us are involved in building a house. And that house, as we will see today, is either built on a firm foundation or it's built on a bad foundation. And we know what kind of foundation we're building on by what we choose to put into that house and how we respond to the, to the storms and to the trials and to the temptations of life that we face every single day. So Jesus in this passage tells us those who are truly his disciples not only build on a foundation of him, but they are seen to be his disciples because they don't just claim to be his disciples, but they do what he has asked them to do. And he says in this passage, a disciple is a person who comes to, to look like his teacher. So Jesus is not one of the blind teachers that we've been learning about. He indeed is the truth, the life, and the way. And we obey our master, we obey his teachings. Jesus is saying his disciples are led by his word. Our lives reflect obedience to his word. And we treasure his word in our hearts. And we store them up so that we may not sin against him. And when the trials of life come, when the storms come, and when we are battered by the floods and the wind of these storms, whether it's by trial or whether it's even by temptation, his disciples hold fast. They stand firm and they don't fall because their foundation is sure, their foundation is certain and they cannot be shaken by all of the, the circumstances in their lives. So our treasure is in heaven, which is more secure than the, the, the buildings that we, we live in or the buildings that we we look at, and we like to look at buildings here in Abu Dhabi. There's so many to look at, isn't there? Especially here in, in the UAE. But our treasure is not on mortar and brick that we can look at and we can see. And the scriptures tell us our treasure is in heaven. It is secure. 
And our treasure cannot be taken away by trials, cannot be taken away by circumstances, if our faith is truly in Jesus Christ. So Jesus' disciples are led by His Word, and they bear out the truth that they are indeed His disciples, not by just what they claim, but by what they actually do. And we will look at that fully um, this morning. So in today's lesson, we learn that a profession of faith, apart from obedience, is really worthless. Our first point this morning is from verse 46. And we see here, Jesus asks a personal question. Jesus is asking a very personal question. Look at verse 46. He says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? So even though Jesus is in his first year of public ministry, he has gathered a large crowd of followers. And Luke tells us in verse 16 of this passage that Jesus has preached to a great crowd and a great multitude of people from Judea, from Jerusalem, and the seacoast of Tyre and, and Sidon. So there are a lot of people here. And although we don't know the exact number of people, we may safely estimate that there were probably hundreds, maybe even thousands of people following Jesus, listening to Jesus, and even calling Jesus Lord, Adonai, Master. And the Greek word for Lord is kurios. And in the context here, this word is being used to describe one who is supreme in authority, who is God, who is, who is Lord. And clearly the, the people following Jesus are using it in this sense. They are affirming His authority. They've seen the miracles that He is able to perform. They cannot ignore that. And they are affirming His authority. And they are affirming His, his deity. But equally clear here, and we need to see this, even though they are affirming His authority, they are not submitting to His Lordship. These people want Jesus as their Savior, but they do not want Jesus as their Lord. And that is why Jesus asks this question so pointedly. He says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, twice, notice the vocative there, and not do what I tell you? Notice also Jesus is addressing his warning to those who, who call him Lord, not to those who do not. And if you ask these folks, are you a Christian? Are you a, a follower of Jesus? They would have responded, oh yes, amen, Jesus is Lord. But unfortunately, they were sadly deceived. Not only did these folks call Jesus Lord, they called him Lord. Notice the emphasis there. That's why it's mentioned twice. The implication of this, of this double vocative. Lord, Lord. They didn't lower their, their voices and and mumble when they said this. They would have asserted strongly that Jesus was their Lord. But yet, as this parable unfolds, and as this parable shows us, these people who claimed this so assertively, so strongly, were heading for major destruction. 
because their profession was, was superficial. It was artificial. It was false. We will miss the thrust of Jesus' words here if we do not recognize that He is giving us a strong warning. A very strong warning. And His warning implies the, the danger of deception. And this is a, a matter where we all can be deceived. And Jesus has talked about deception, about following blind guides by listening to what they teach listening to the, the nonsense that they teach, listening to the, the false teaching that they teach, and thinking that we are saved when we are not. I think most of us listening here this morning would say that I'm a Christian. That's why I'm watching this live stream, Church Online. I'm a Christian. Well, what are you saying here? Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Savior. But Jesus is saying this morning that we need to examine our hearts. We need to examine our hearts. Do you really seek to obey me, beginning on the thought level? That's what Jesus is asking this morning. Jesus is asking us, do you judge your, your sin in light of, of my word? Or do you make excuses for your sin? Are you quick to judge others rather than to judge yourself? Could you be fooling yourself? Are you excusing your disobedience by, by claiming to be under grace? Are you justify, justifying yourself by thinking, well, everybody does it. It's not that big a problem. Obedience to Jesus on the heart level is not optional. It's not just for those people who are super committed it is the true test of whether your faith is genuine or whether it is counterfeit. So we look at the second point this morning in verse 47 and verse 48, here where Jesus gives a powerful illustration. And the illustration is of two builders. One is a good builder and the other is a, is a bad builder. And we read from verse 47. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been built well. Well, the first homeowner here, the builder, he represents the man who, who not only hears, but he, he acts upon Jesus' words. He goes to the trouble of digging deep into the soil until it, 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 it hits the, the bedrock. So his anchor is, is, found, is founded, is, is grounded. His foundation is grounded onto that bedrock so that the house rests firmly on the solid foundation. And we see what happens when the storm hit and the flash flood burst against that house. It stood firm because it was well built. Here in the, in, the UAE, in the UAE, building codes and regulations are a little different to other parts of the world, mostly because of the desert that surrounds us. And special foundations have to be built because of the sand. And the same is true for, for building on beaches. Um, building on sand is a, is a tri tricky business. You cannot use normal foundations where there is no normal ground. So to build on sand, you 
you need to have really deep um, foundations, almost piles that are dug deep into the earth because the sand does not have a, a binding force and the sand can easily move in and shift away from the foundation which can leave gaps underneath the foundation and the foundation can eventually fall apart um, because the foundation doesn't have a, a grounding. And Kerry reminded me of a, of a baking analogy. When baking a cake, you need a, a firm baking tray to, to pour your batter into or, or the cake will not set. It will just disseminate. It will move. It, it, it will shift. And the most secure foundations are those that are, are built on a rock, on a firm foundation. Because rocks do not migrate. Rocks do not shift. Rocks do not move. And it's interesting here in, in verse 46, Jesus says, you call me Lord, Lord. And the word Lord here comes from the Greek word kurios, which comes from the, the Hebrew Adonai. Um, our ladies have been doing a study on the, the names of God, so I'm sure you will know what that name means, Adonai. Adonai depicts a sovereign master who is dependable, who is faithful in provision, in direction and in protection. Adonai doesn't move. He is steadfast. He is immovable. And David writes in, in Psalm 18, verse 2, we read that earlier this morning. He said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the thorn of my salvation, my stronghold. So what Jesus is saying here is that the first builder anchors his foundation to the rock Adonai, the bedrock that doesn't move. He anchors his house on a solid, firm foundation. So when that storm comes, and it will come, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when that storm comes. When that storm comes, and the rain causes that flash flood that, that bursts against that house. The house is able to stand firm because it is well built. And the first home builder represents people who not only hear, but act upon God's word. Not only say they know God, but truly believe His word because they, they love His word. They read His word. And they stand strong on His promises. And the house here represents our lives. We're all building a, a house. We're all building a house. And the question is, are we building our lives on the sure foundation of obedience to Jesus? Or are we building it on the sand of empty profession? To build a house involves a, a lot of time and a lot of expense. It's not like throwing up a, a shed where, where you don't plan to spend much time in it, um, where you don't expect it to last for a long time either. In a new home, you can, you can install the, the finest hardwood uh, cabinets. You can spend time and money on all the different fixtures, on the, on the, the brass doorknobs and, and on the light fittings. And you can put in a, a custom masonry 
uh, fireplace or, or stairwell. But if the house is not resting on a solid foundation, you're basically throwing your money away. If you build a house of your life without obedience to Jesus, here in our hearts, it's like wasting your money on a house without a foundation. It's only going to last for so long. When the storms come, it will be destroyed. When you build a house, you can be sure, no matter where you build it, the storms will come to test your foundation. And you can build in a tropical rainforest, or you can even build in a desert. You cannot avoid the storms. Even here in, in Abu Dhabi, we get storms. And wherever you are, we will face trials. We will face temptations that the life will throw at us. So Jesus here, in the third point this morning, He delivers a penetrating application, which we see in verse 49 as He brings us together. He says in verse 49, But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. Notice that last part there, folks. The ruin of that house was great. So here the second builder is introduced to us. So the bad builder who built a house on the ground without a foundation, experiences this tremendous, this great loss. And during the storm, the floods cause the, a stream to, to break against both houses. Notice, both houses face the same storm. It's not two different storms. But the second house is the house that falls. Only one house stands during this storm. And again, folks, outwardly, each of the builders' houses look the same. There's no, there's no indication otherwise. But the question is, why does only one house stand? And the answer is, the house that stands is built upon a foundation of rock. And the application, I think, is very obvious here. There are two kinds of people. Two kinds of disciples who claim to, to follow Jesus. And each disciple is building a life. And outwardly, each looks the same. But when the inevitable storms of life come, only one of those houses stand. And the question is, why does only one life stand? Well, the answer should be obvious. The life that stands is built on a life of obedience to the Word of God. Now, I'm not teaching here works righteousness, and I need to clarify that. Because some people will say, oh, we're not saved by obedience. We are saved by grace alone through, through faith alone. Well, the Bible clearly tells us we are not saved by works. Jesus is not teaching that either here in this passage. So let me clarify for a moment what Jesus is teaching it's important to understand that Jesus is not talking about justification here as this application. He's not talking about salvation as this application here. 
he is in fact talking about sanctification. And remember his personal question here in verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Who is Jesus talking to? Who is his audience that he is addressing here? Well, the audience is disciples who claim to follow Jesus. They claim they've made a profession of faith. They may have even been baptized. They may have even become members of a church. They were claiming to be his disciples. They were claiming to be justified. They were claiming to be saved, born again. They were claiming Jesus as Adonai. But Jesus is challenging their claim here. He is challenging their profession of faith. He's challenging their justification. He is saying that it is possible to distinguish between a true disciple and between a false disciple by the evidence of obedience. Remember, Jesus has said, previously we've studied, He's not telling that we must not judge. He's telling us that we must judge in a righteous manner, not in a hypocritical manner. He's saying, judge ourselves first. And that's what He's asking us to do. Where is the evidence in your life? Where is the evidence of obedience in your life? He's saying that a justified disciple is a disciple who is striving after holiness. He's saying that a true believer is a holy believer. Saving faith always results in a life of holiness, in a life of good deeds. You know, many people who quote Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, that, that we are saved by grace through faith and not as a result of, of works, they, they fail to quote Ephesians 2, verse 10, the very next verse. And this is what that verse says. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. For what? What does the verse say? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Evidence of obedience. That's what Jesus is saying. And I think the same is true for, for John 3, 16. Everybody knows that verse. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. They love that verse. But they don't quote John 3, verse 36. Look what this verse says. He who believes the Son has eternal life. But he who does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. As we saw on our last study, the nature of the, the tree determines the type of fruit that you'll see on the tree, isn't it? If a person has received a, a new nature through, through faith in Christ, that new nature will bear fruit of Christ, isn't it? They will bear good fruit, not bad fruit. We are saved by grace through faith apart from works. Yes, the Bible says that. But the faith that saves always results in good works. James continues to tell us that faith without works is dead. 
We need to be clear that Jesus was not teaching that his followers can be sinlessly perfect either. If the requirement, if, if that was the requirement of getting into heaven by being perfect, then none of us would be able to go to heaven. Not even the most devoted Christian loves God all the time perfectly with every fiber of his being. And no one perfectly loves his neighbor as himself. The Apostle John, he tells us that in, um, in, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. So Jesus is not teaching that we must achieve sinless perfection in order to enter the kingdom of God. He is not teaching works, righteousness here. What he is teaching is what James later emphasized in his letter, that faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. Genuine faith is not just an intellectual understanding of who God is. It's not just a mental assent. Genuine faith submits to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Genuine faith obeys Jesus Christ, obeys Him as their Lord and Master. And while we do that, we progress in our sanctification. We progress in our holy living. And I believe the whole point of this passage can be summarized in, in one sentence. Jesus' disciples live their lives on His Word. He's saying it's not enough to claim to be His disciple. What, must, what we must do and what He says is we need to live by His Word. We need to love what He loves. And Jesus is saying, my disciples are not simply those who hear my word, but those who do my word. Now there are many who profess Christ and, and hope for heaven. But sadly, their lives are built on sand. And the tests and the storms and the trials will finally expose us or those people in the last judgment. In fact, the last judgment will make clear what our foundations have been built on. But let me make this personal this morning. Now, we have all faced numerous trials since this coronavirus pandemic. And we still are. It's not over. We face trials of disappointment. We face trials of setback. We face trials of sickness. We face trials of job loss. We face trials of the loss of, of loved ones and not being able to be there to, to comfort them during this difficult time. Now this last week, I performed a memorial service for an expat family. The husband or the father of this family, he had died unexpectedly from a, a brain aneurysm. And they had arrived in Abu Dhabi in, in January and he died in, in June. And the wife said the hardest part for her, she, in fact her words were the most brutal part for her, was the isolation that was imposed on them because of this coronavirus. Nobody was able to, to meet them and, and to console them during this time. And, and we had to have this, this, this memorial service over a Zoom conference. Very strange time, very, very difficult time for the family. 
And there are these trials that, that we are facing, that, that we will still face, even as we, as we grow older. You know, the loss of our health and the loss of our strength and being confined to different limitations of our bodies. And of course, there is the, the steady, relentless approach of, of our own death, the reality of it becoming even more real in our day and our age. And all these trials, Jesus' disciples will face. But will we stand? Or will we crumble? That is the question. If we are not secure in our faith in the first place, then those trials, just like the water bashing up against the house, will cause us to be destroyed, to be lost without hope. There are floods of temptation that come at us from the world. The flesh, the devil, this evil world under the, the dominion of, of Satan presses on us relentlessly, even in, in not so subtle ways. Um, some of us may be tempted to, to cheat in an in a exam or, or to steal or to indulge in um, immorality, to go on to onto the internet and to look at images that we're not supposed to be looking at. We're tempted to set our minds on, on fleeting pleasures as we look around and we see the, the fancy cars and, and we see the fancy houses. And we're tempted to set our minds on the fleeting riches and pleasures of this world. And the point is, if, if you're not establishing the habit of obedience to God's Word every day, then we will fall, folks. We will fall if we, as, as Kerry has been teaching the children, if we're not putting on this armor of God, if we're not reading His Word, if we're not loving His Word, when these trials come, how are we expected to stand? What are you building your life on? When these inevitable temptations come, they will sweep you away. Any profession of faith that you have made will be swept away in these trials. And of course, the final trial that we all must face is when we die and when we stand before God. He knows everything. And even though we can try and pretend on this earth and live hypocritical lives, appearing to be something that we are not, when we stand before God, He knows everything. If we have been hypocrites putting on a good front before others, claiming to be Christians, but all the while living in disobedience, not wanting to read His Word, not wanting to follow His Word, we will be exposed. It will all come crashing down in the flood of God's judgment. The Bible is abundantly clear that that day is both certain and it is final. It will happen. Everyone will be called to account before God's throne. And those who may have fooled everyone on earth cannot fool God in heaven. Only those who have lived in obedience to, to God's word, constantly examining themselves, judging their own sin, seeking to please God, will stand 
as the Scriptures are telling us this morning. And those who have said, Lord, Lord, but have not sought to obey Him, will be ruined finally and forever. So Jesus is saying us today, to us all today, to all of us who claim to be His disciples, examine your hearts. And how do you do this? How do you examine our hearts? If you haven't seen or heard the previous messages, well, Jesus is saying, look at your foundation. Look at what you're putting on the house that you are building on. What are you putting into the house that you are building on to that foundation? And a true disciple of, of Jesus does not merely say that they are disciples. They show that they are disciples by what they, they do. It really is so difficult to, to preach this sermon to a, to a camera. Can I just be honest this morning? It really is difficult. Now, I know that there are, are people in our church that just come to church and just, just go through the motions. They never engage in the life of the church. They, they always make excuses about home groups. You know, they, they never want to be part of the church community. They never want to be praying for other believers. They're never part of our, our prayer meetings. They never want to be coming alongside other people and encouraging them in their faith. They're not, they don't want to hold themselves accountable. They don't want people to be able to help them with the struggles that they are, are facing. And sadly, it's these people that, that don't show any evidence of sanctification. But yet they still claim to be a Christian. They still think that they are Christians just because they come to church. Well, Jesus is saying to us, folks, today, please hear, hear what He is saying very lovingly. Examine yourself this morning. Jesus is warning us here against just a, a verbal profession that's, that's not accompanied by a conversion of life. Don't think that you are saved just because you, you go to church. Don't think you're saved just because you, you go through the motions. Don't deceive yourself. The day of judgment is coming. And we will all stand before God and give an account. What is your foundation built upon? You know, the Lord is, is warning all of us, but especially people who are respectful towards Him. People who, who claim to, to listen to Him but they fail to follow His words. The people who, who will sit and listen in church to the Lord of the Sabbath sermon, but then when Fridays come, they, they're having breakfast with their friends. Are we failing to listen to the words that God has instructed us? He is saying that those and only those who practically submit to the Lordship of Christ those are his disciples. He's saying that it's not enough to hear my words and, and even understand them. It's not enough to even hear my words and remember them. You could even maybe quote the scriptures. It's not enough to hear my doctrine and, and even talk about it or repeat it or admire it or even discuss it in, in home groups or debate it. Jesus is saying, you need to hear my words and do them. You need to hear my words and do them. And the one who hears my words and does them 
is my disciple. He is built on a foundation that will never be moved. That is the evidence of a genuine disciple. And the one who hears my words and does not do them is not my disciple and has built the house of his life on no foundation at all. A foundation that is going to crumble. A foundation that will be destroyed when the storms come and the trials of this life beat upon it. A true disciple obeys Jesus. The Apostle John says in, in 1 John chapter 1, Sorry, 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. He says, And by this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. Remember what Jesus said on the night of His betrayal after the Last Supper when Jesus was praying to His disciples. He said in John 17, verse 6, He said, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Genuine disciples. Those who have built their life on Christ alone have nothing to fear, for their foundation cannot be moved. It cannot be shaken. Those who build on Christ alone will, will stand when those storms come. And it's been such a joy, it's been such a pleasure to be able to watch these people during this coronavirus pandemic. I know there are many of you who are going through terrible trials, facing job loss. And your response to me has been, God has got this. I'm not concerned, I'm not afraid. God is sovereign. He has a plan for us. Whether I lose my job or whether I keep my job, I will still serve Him. And that has been such a joy. Such a joy. And I pray your foundation is secure, just like that testimony we heard. And I want to close with words from a, from a famous song called The Solid Rock. And this song was written by a young Baptist preacher by the name of Edward Mote. And Edward had been compiling this song for a while and had written down a few verses and, on a piece of paper and he had been keeping these verses in his pocket trying to, trying to finish the song. And on one Sunday after church, he went to visit another friend, another Baptist minister whose wife was, was very ill and unable to go to church um, on her deathbed. And he went to visit and to minister with, uh, to, this, to this lady. And during that afternoon, they, they prayed together, they read scriptures together. And then she asked him, please would you sing a hymn for me, with me? And unfortunately, he hadn't brought a hymnal with him. But he had pieces of paper in his pocket of a hymn that he had been composing. So he pulled out these pieces of paper and he said to her, can I, can I sing this new song for you, this new hymn for you? And I want you to try and imagine being this, this lady on her deathbed, hearing this song for the first time. Listen to the words of this song. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ, my righteousness. 
I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Verse 2. When darkness veils His lovely face, I rest on His unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. Verse 3. His oath, His covenant, His blood, support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, He then is all my hope and stay. And then the last verse. When He shall come with trumpet sound, Oh, may I then in Him be found. In Him, my righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. Well, I know that that dear lady was filled with much hope as the story continues. But I wonder if that's a song that would fill you with much hope. That song is obviously inspired by this parable that we've just studied together. What has been your response this morning? Are you filled with hope? Are you encouraged this morning? Is your, is your soul rejoicing that Christ is your solid foundation? And despite these storms, despite these trials, despite the, the problems that we face during this life, you have this firm foundation that can never wash you away. Or are you worried this morning? Maybe you're responding in a different way. Are you worried this morning that indeed your profession has, has been artificial? That your profession is based on loose sand? And while you face these storms and these trials, you are starting to feel your house shift and move and crack. Well, if that's the case, today is the day of your salvation. Someone once said, either Jesus is Lord of all or He isn't Lord at all. Perhaps you've been the Lord of your life for too long. And the Lord is saying today, submit to me, repent of your sins, forsake them, and call upon me to be the King of your life. And I will be, Jesus says. I will be. And He is a much better King than you and I could ever possibly be. He is Adonai. The faithful God, the faithful who will never shift, who will never move, that we can hold on to during these storms. Can you honestly say this morning that Jesus is the Lord of your life? If not, confess your sins to Him and renew your relationship with Him. If He is, then be encouraged today to stand strong on the solid rock. Pray with me. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for loving us enough to, to challenge us to examine ourselves today. Thank you for loving us enough that you're not, you're not prepared just to leave us to, to live on our false profession or live in our hypocritical way. Thank you for loving us enough to care for us and to point us to what our faith needs to be in. In you, the solid rock, Adonai, our master, our sovereign king. Forgive us, Lord, I pray, if we have 
lived a life that has confessed anything else. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us as a church to publicly declare your greatness to those around us. May we not be ashamed of Jesus, Lord. May we live your word and do your word even in difficult situations. May we never compromise on the truth of your word. May we love your word and live your word as you have commanded us to, Lord, so that others may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. So, Lord, I pray today, please do your work that you need to do in our hearts and our lives. Save the lost. They need to be saved, Lord. And you know who they are. And they know who they are. So I ask you, Lord, please, let your spirit have complete free reign in our hearts today as we close and as we respond in this last song today. Lord, please grant repentance and grant faith to those today that need to call upon you as their Savior. I ask this prayer. In Jesus' precious name, amen. So please join us in song as we respond uh, in our last song together, How Marvelous. And let's sing these words with, with, with much joy, focusing on our glorious God. How Marvelous. <laughs>